Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, where conversation is alive and well with creative people who have a lot to say and a lot to offer. Oh, what a guest we have for you today. His name is Johnny Russo. And that should be familiar to fans of The Godfather and who isn't. Johnny Russo, who played Carlo in the iconic film, and he's the author of a best-selling memoir, Hollywood Godfather, and boy, does this guy have stories. Stories that take you from his days in the polio ward to mixing with mobsters, from Marilyn Monroe to Frank Sinatra, the Kennedy assassination, and an acting teacher named Marlon Brando. We're going to cover a lot with Johnny Russo. And as we record the podcast, he's coming to this area, the New England area, with a performance at the Regent Theatre in Arlington on Thursday, July 20th, 2023 at 7.30 p.m. It's a one-man show in which he sings and tells stories and shows film clips. Should be a lot of fun. Go to regenttheatre.com. Time to make you an offer you cannot refuse. Listen to this, and I guarantee you'll be entertained. As Johnny Russo steps up and joins us on mic. Everyone's talking about The Godfather again in the last couple of years when it, what, turned 50 last year. Unbelievable. You've been a part of The Godfather celebration of 50 years, haven't you? Well, I've been in, you know, since for 52 years, The Godfather's changed my life. I played Carlo in The Godfather, and it was a memorable character. Unfortunately, he was a white beater yes. and killed the, the Don's daughter. I got her, uh, his older son, Sonny, killed. But uh, for that reason, I think it's... Uh, the longevity is amazing. I don't think anybody will ever take a ride to the airport with two guys in the back seat. Nope. <laughs> I try not to. I'm always in the back seat now. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, uh, but we're going to talk about a lot of things. But before we get to uh, your music and you're really a great lounge singer, do a beautiful tribute to Sinatra and Dino and others. How did you get the part in the first place? Your first movie, it's the biggest movie of the century almost. How did you get it? Well, my ego, I had someone, I'm, I'm an illiterate because I, I had my, spent my earlier years in the polio ward for five years, so I never went to school. But when the book came out, someone read it to me, and I said, you know, I could play Michael's son of Carlo. And uh, so I went after it, and I shot a screen test, submitted it to Paramount, and they sent me a nice letter saying, we sorry, Miss Ledger, but we're re- really using great actors and, you know, thespians who studied. So I knew they were having problems with Joe Colombo in New York with the Anti-Defamation League. And uh, so I went to see Joe and set up a meeting at Paramount. I got that all resolved. I'm giving you the fast version. <laughs> I got that all resolved. And my my bonus was I played Carlo and I never acted before in my life. That is amazing. The fact that you never acted before and you're really a natural in that part. And we'll get into the Columbos and all the political stuff that was going on at that time. But what did it feel like to be in the same scene with, with say, James Caan or certainly with uh, Al Pacino at the time with Francis directing? What did that feel like? Well, you know, even more so, I was more impressed doing scenes with Marlon Brando. <laughs> I didn't even know who Jimmy Caan was. Pacino did Panic in Needle Park, one movie. We, they were all just starting out. 
they went on to be great movie actors, mm. as we all recognize. Right. But to be with Brando, and then Brando, I'm the only person who can say, Marlon Brando was my acting teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Frank Sinatra's my only singing teacher. So I've had a, a, a great, you know, people take care of me and, and, and teach me the, the, the ropes the right way, fortunately. There have always been stories about Brando not knowing his lines and having to put lines around the studio, uh, you know, uh, cue cards and things. Was he a, a professional in every way, or did he have his picadillos? What do you think? Do you know what it was with him? He, he didn't want to learn the lines. Hmm. And so they, you know, you've seen so many photographs with Tom Hagen, the character, uh, with the lines written on his chest. But that's what he did. It was so funny. And everybody thought that was his acting style. And later on, I produced and was in The Freshman and uh, got Brando 15000 but that role. And by that time, he was in the trailer. His, I mean, his aide was in the trailer feeding him the lines in an earpiece, mm. which now they have technology. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, you got Brando to do this gig for fifteen k. I'm, yeah, well, that was a, no. I'm not. I'm talking about fifteen million. Oh, I was going to say fifteen thousand. You must have had something on Brando to do that. Fifteen million. Well, fifteen million. Ah, that makes sense. Payday ever got? Yeah. And and um, we remained friends till his death. We were neighbors. I bought a house in Mulholland Drive up there with him and Jack Nicholson. But um, no, I, I mean, I loved the guy, and he, he taught me everything. He was the one that showed me. Well, he, of course, he said to me. When Michael hands you the ticket, what are you going to do? Because you read the script, you know you're dead in the car, mm. but the audience is going to read it on the screen. You have to be a good actor. You can't sell it because they read the book too. Mm. And it was all of that when he said, I want you to take the, the, the ticket, sneak a look at it, like you, you're hoping this is your way out. And all those, all those little nuances he gave me. It, While Dick Smith was doing three hours of makeup to turn Marlon Brando, who was 48, into the old man Don Corleone. Oh, brilliant. I had the privilege of being with him every day. Did you or anybody there have a sense that this was going to be the biggest movie of its time, the, the classic? Or was it like a lot of films? Oh, we'll see what happens. Hope for the best. Well, with us, it was even worse than that because Paramount kept threatening to pull the plug on it. Because they didn't like Pacino's performance at first, because they the audience and them met him at my wedding when he was in his army uniform. Right, that was the first scene they saw right. Pacino. So when they were seeing the dailies, and and, and Coppola fought to get him this part, because I don't know if your audience even knows this, James Caan was supposed to be Michael. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've heard Carmine that. Carmine Caridi from the Man from Montreal was a, a big Broadway play at the time was supposed to play Sonny because they thought it should be this, you know, big guy. And then when they recast everything and I got the part of Carlo and they, and, and the Coppola finally convinced him to use Michael. When they saw Michael, they said, this ain't going to work. But that was the brilliance of Coppola and Michael building Michael until you saw Michael in Louis restaurant, killing oh. Salazzo and McCluskey. God. Oh my God. <laughs> that was brilliant. You saw the evolution of Michael. That's what made it such a great film role. Because if right. he was if he was tough and mean from the very beginning, you wouldn't believe him. I mean, you really had to see his nope. 
his evolution. Yeah. And uh, you played the role again. It was it Godfather Two? You had a reprise as the same well, what character. They, did, they didn't even again. They weren't shooting any of that for the future. They didn't think the movie was coming out. So, which is ironic because a year and a half later they're going to put this movie together, and that one scene. You bring me back that day, I got more money than in three months that I was on the set in the first one. <laughs> That's amazing. Let's go back in time a little bit to your early days. You grew up in uh, New York, obviously, in a tough right. in a tough but ethnic neighborhood, Italian area. And uh, you said polio. I didn't know that about you. Five years dealing with that? Yeah, I, 19, I, I'll never forget the date, obviously. August 7th, 1949. They came and picked me up at my house some uh, school clinic, I was tested for polio. Mm. They put me in a, a Bellevue, a state institution on 35th, on 31st Street. And I was there for five years quarantine wow. and became part of Jonas Salk's vaccine experiment. No kidding. And as a kid, you're only six or so years old when you're taken away. And that has to right. either toughen you up or crack you or break you. What did it do? Well, I, I watched a lot of kids. I'll tell you, it, it almost did break me. For the the luck I had, Dolores Barone, Carlo Gambino's niece, was my floor nurse. Mm-hmm. And he said, because he was friends of our families, look in on this kid. He's with you up there. And she'd bring me the extra jello or pudding. But the biggest thing she did every night before she left, she'd give me a hug, and I needed that hug. Because, you know, my parents were there, nobody was there. Were you with other children of your age, or? Yeah, there was 20, there was 20 kids in each, each wow. ward room of different, some had, you know, the, uh, the ones with respiratory were in iron lungs. Mm-hmm. Mine was all elasticity muscles, but it was the whole left side of my body. I had no strength in the whole left side of my body. So and that's, and what about through your life, your adult life? Did that hinder you in any way physically, or did you always have the, did you shake it oh, off? I mean, my residuals that I have now are so unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. I was wearing two different size shoes, two different size gloves. But, you know, it, you really have to examine me, and I worked on it. And uh, so I'm, I'm so blessed. My life, I'm 80 years old now, and I'm I'm still you look, doing more things than ever. You look amazing. You look like you're having the time of your life. And we'll talk about what you're doing these days. But I wanted to go back again to the neighborhood. And it says in the notes that you worked here and there as an errand guy, as a gopher, if you will, for some of the associates of Frank Costello and others. Was it almost inevitable if you're growing up in that neighborhood at that time that you'd have some connection and contact with the mob if you you couldn't avoid them or— Tell me a little bit no, about what that. What happened was, I, I, he didn't even know that I knew Carlo Gambino. What happened to me, I was using my deformity of my left side because ballpoint pens just came out. Yeah. So when I exhausted the downtown Wall Street and all that business area, one day I took the train and got off on 59th Street and 5th Avenue, and I walked across the street in front of the Sherry Netherlands. I stayed there a year selling ballpoint pens. <laughs> That I was buying for 15 cents and getting a dollar. Some people would be five dollars. They felt bad for me. And then Costello came every day. Never took a pen. He used to stop at the Sherry Netherlands to get a shoe shine on the way over to the Waldorf. Incredible. And never took a pen. And then one day he started talking to me. And then he realized who I was and he knew my uncle. My uncle, my great uncle, Angelo Russo, sent his parents 
from Sicily to New York. He was a little boy. At the time. No kidding. What a it changed my life. Strong connections there. Amazing. Getting back to the movie, it was your first film, and you mentioned the Anti-Defamation League, the, the Italian group, uh, many of them comprised of, of known mafioso. But that was a fascinating story. There was a movie made about it, and uh, a couple of books have been written about it in the last year or so. How much influence did they have on the set, if any? Actual? Well, they, I mean, the influence they had on the set, first of all, was to get the sets. Because nobody was cooperating with the, with the the book, you know, Paramount at all. Right. They lost Manhasset. I I knew the house up on Longfellow Road on Staten Island, so I took Al Ruddy there and, and Gordy Wills and them. And they loved it. We made that deal, but that was all because of Columbus and saying, okay, we're going to let you cooperate. And I made the deal, and why, you know, it's always about money with the mob. But they were going to get the world premiere in every major city the night before it opened. They were going to make millions with it. Mm. Yeah, and, and of course, that, you mentioned Al Ruddy. He was the, the producer who won the Academy Award and all that. His story is fascinating in itself, the way he finagled and stuff he had to do to get the film made. And obviously, you, were, was, you were a key player in that, huh? Well, I, was, I knew a lot of it. It's so funny because he, even at the wedding, they put the wedding together, and, and I was there with them all the time. And he said to me, Johnny, you know, you know, Staten Island. Well, where can I get a great Italian band? This is Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I said, I got the guy Nino Morelli. He just played at my wedding. It's, that's it, so that's, funny. My band for my wedding is the wedding that for Connie and I. <laughs> the movie going public, we think, oh, it's Hollywood. They just can pay for anything and figure anything out. I love the fact that it was your band <laughs> and you had all these connections. And uh, even La Rosa's pastry, who made the, the oh, my wedding cake, no that kidding. was the guy who made the wedding cake for them. Oh my goodness, <laughs> tremendous! Now you've been in other films, about fifty or so, and you've done some. Well, we call them crime capers, gangster films. Is there anything that comes close to the reality that The Godfather seemed to have in, in the movies? You know, the made? only film that I think, and I'm really proud of, I was part producer of it. Also, Pacino got me involved, and uh, it was uh, you know. Any Given Sunday was a great movie. Oh, the football movie, yeah. We had 38 movie stars, you know, so it was amazing. A guy who never took an acting lesson, and you just walk in, obviously you figured out a way to get noticed, but you walk in and you are so natural on screen. Have you taken acting lessons since? As I said, Brando. <laughs> Brando's your acting teacher. Not bad. Brando, Brando <laughs> gave me some cues and, 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 and clues, and ever since then, I mean, I, you know, I think we're, we're all actors, but we want to, like, especially attorneys, you know, they, oh, they, yeah. they practice their, their scripts, they go out, and I, I built my ego, I always wanted to be an actor, and fortunately now I made 46 motion pictures, 16 of them I own a piece of, and they went on you, to win nine Oscars. Well, in, was I was just going to say, Seabiscuit, you played Alberto Giannini, love that film, who doesn't, it's such a moving, a extraordinary movie. story. And so many others. Uh, you were in one of the Rush Hour movies, I know. Red Dragon, you had a little part yeah. in that. Well, well, Brett Ratner, we helped raise as a kid. And then he went on to become a great director. And he always put me in his movies. <laughs> Family nice. Man was his also. Oh, Family Man. I love that one, too. Like any other business, it's who you know, right? I mean, you, you want to work well, with your yeah, buddies. I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's fortunate and unfortunate sometimes because there's great talent. We'll never yeah. get a shot. 
because they don't know anybody. <laughs> now, speaking of talent, you have another talent, and that is as a singer. And uh, you love to sing. I know that. And uh, obviously, you have a couple of pretty good teachers. You mentioned Sinatra. <laughs> you learned right. a lot from him. But tell me a little bit about the vocal career and how that's been going. Well, the vocal career, again, was uh, I always wanted to sing. And Sinatra and Dean and Sammy were all always hanging out in my supper club in Vegas, which was famous. Uh, Johnny Russo State Street. Mm -hmm. They opened it for me, and I used to get up and sing. And Sinatra one day said, "You know, you sing pretty good. One day, if you want to come out to my house and spend a few days with me, I'll give you some pointers." So I went out to Palm Springs, and he taught me. In fact, the show I'm currently doing from my best-selling book, believe that, uh, my Hollywood Godfather. Now is a bestseller. I sold over eighty-six thousand books on Amazon. Awesome, great, and got. Thousands and thousands of five-star reviews. So now I'm an author. I can't believe it. <laughs> Tell me about Sinatra, because he's famous for learning breath control from Tommy Dorsey. But what kind of things did he teach you? Well, that, that's funny you should bring that up, because when I took to Dorothy, his secretary said, don't forget to bring a bathing suit. I said, mm. Dorothy, I don't want to swim. I want to sing. He said, bring a bathing suit. Okay. So I got there. And then Harry opens the door. He says, Johnny, where's your bathing suit? I said, what's with this bathing suit? I'm getting singing <laughs> lessons. So he said, go out in the cabana, put on a bathing suit. They're all clean. He'll be right out. And the traditional, I've seen him a hundred times, is white silk robe, a coffee cup, and a cigarette. He said, get in the pool. I said, what's this about, Frank? Uh. If you want to learn how to sing, you got to learn how to breathe. And for the first day... He had me submerging myself, and he timed me. Then I'd come up, because you have to take a deeper breath into your lower diaphragm and go down again. And he learned that from Dorsey, because he never saw when Dorsey took a breath. Mm. And Dorsey yeah. taught, taught him that. That is, first of all, it's such a cool story to be with Sinatra. How many guys have had the honor of having him teach them singing lessons? I mean, well, he went on to baptize my my son Luciano too. Oh, so that's we great. really became close. That's great. That's I babysitted awesome. him a lot with Ava Gardner. We flew all over the world. But what? who would want to go with Frank Sinatra? <laughs> babysitting him with oh my God! You mean when he was with Ava Gardner? When he was with her, and they had these battles, and she'd take off on him. And we'd go looking, but we went as far as Mexico one night. <laughs> so you were hanging around with some superstar celebrities well before The Godfather. Well, this was right after The Godfather. Oh, wait a minute. He was with Ava Gardner then? I thought he was done with her. Boy. Well, then, then we hooked up again. Oh. So we were, it was, no, I started with him because, first of all, when you mentioned the polio ward, I was depressed. Carlo Gambino sent me a transistor radio December 11th. I turned it on December 12th because it was my birthday. Uh, I know and who it's else. Sinatra's birthday. Yes, September, December 12th. So I listened to Sinatra for two or three years. Then I started to work for Costello, who owned the Copa. Ah, uh, so you get to see him right up there in the flesh. So I walked, I, I walked into the Copa, and I hear him. He was doing a sound check. So I walked into the room, and he looks at Julie Baudelaire like to say, who's this kid? He said, oh, no, that's, that's Costello's boy. And with that, I sat down a while and listened to him singing in person. Mm. Then at the first break, he put a cigarette in his mouth. I walked over, and I lit it. And I said, Mr. Sinatra, I got to thank you. You saved my life. He said, yeah, how'd I do that? 
and I told him about the polio award. Oh, wow. So he said to wow. me, did you tell me Carlo Gambino gave you a transistor radio? I said, yeah. He said, that's amazing. He said, what's your name? I said, the kid. He said, the kid? No, what's your real name? I said, I'm, I can't tell you that. He said, what do you mean you can't tell me your name? I said, Mr. Costello told me never to tell anybody my <laughs> name. From now on, my name is the kid. Uh, I love it. So he said, wait a minute. Gambino gives you a radio. <laughs> Costello names you the kid. Maybe I should get to know you. You sound like you're really important. <laughs> and I was 13 at the time. <laughs> Your life reads like a movie to begin with. So you just did a little homage to Frank. What about Dean Martin? I'm I'm such a Dean Martin fan, and I was I, I was oh. before he had the the Renaissance in the last couple of years. But he he seemed to be effortless in whatever he did. It seemed like he was. You know what he was? was I, I, he taught me that because you know he came in the club a lot, State Street, and I'd make mistakes. He's don't ever say you made a mistake on stage. Mm. I I flub lyrics. Use it. I said, what do you mean? He said, how many people think I'm always drunk? I forget a lyric as, oh, that was up the last martini. I started using all that stuff. <laughs> but the guy was so great to me. And he gave me a pair of shoes. I'll never forget it. They were church velvet slippers. Mm. He always wore them because he had a bad back. And he played, you know, the guy would play 36 holes of golf. Every he day. loved golf, yeah. He lived Who for wouldn't golf. have a bad back? Mm. But all of those things, I mean, to have these people grooming you psychologically, and that's why I tell you, I'm very successful. I turned my book, Hollywood Godfather, which is still a bestseller on Amazon, into a one-man show. It's yep. an 80-minute show. I'm touring the world with it. In fact, as we record this, you're coming to Boston to a, a great, old, wonderful theater that I love called the Regent Theater in Arlington. It'll be Thursday, July 20th, 7.30 p.m. And uh, right. people can see you in tuxedo with the guys behind you, backing you up with the band. So I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. In the book... And what, oh, go ahead. What I did do, though, John, I bought all the footage we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I have stuff with Sinatra nobody's had seen. I mean, I got... I mean, the things you're going to see that night, I, I didn't realize I was the poster boy for Franklin Delano Roosevelt for the March of Dimes. Oh, I my that gosh. Picture. Wow. I'm in a full-body cast. That's, of course, people don't think about polio today who are alive, say, born after 1965 or 70. But I was old enough to get the polio shot when I was a kid, you know. And, uh, right. And uh, I, I think my folks, both of them were, uh, they avoided it, but everybody feared it in those days. It was really a scourge. Well, I, and at the time period that I had in 49 for the, for the five years before the vaccine, 2,300 kids died in New York from it. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, people were afraid to go swimming and afraid to be out. And, you know, we, we Oh, had... yeah, the public water they thought transmitted oh. it. Oh, crazy. Wild times, wild times. By the way, in the book, which I have not yet read, but I'll highly recommend Hollywood Godfather to anyone. Uh, in fact, Robert De Niro loved it, called it a worthy read. That's always a nice uh, nice little slug from De Niro. Um, oh, yeah. Do you talk about your romantic encounters? Because a rumor has it that you... Uh, had your opportunities with a few famous stars along the way? I would think so. The most famous was Marilyn. I was with Marilyn the last four years of her life. Monroe, that is. Yeah, I get and, I uh, get that. And <laughs> were you her, one of her steadies or, or what? No, what was happening, we, we became friends. Costello, she was a guest of Costello when they were hiding her out at the Waldorf 
mm. when she was trying to get out of the Zanuck contract at Fox. Right. Because she wanted to become a, you know, she studied with everybody and she wanted to become a legitimate actress. And they were just selling her as this hot chick, which was great. Because I saw something like it hot 10 times masturbating in the balcony. The girl was amazing. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I just saw the play. If you see the play, it's a little different than the movie. Let's put it that way. But I saw the movie a few weeks ago. I ran it at a screening that I do a movie club. I cannot believe how amazing she is in that movie as a voluptuous, sexy, just... Well, when you, remember when she was saying, I want to make love to you in that, in that sheer dress? Yeah, I mean, it was... Imagine me, 15 and a half years old, <laughs> at the New York Paramount, 2 o'clock in one. I used to go to sleep. <laughs> I, I can't say that I blame you. So you were friendly with her. Go on. Oh, I got really friendly with her. And then I was the eyes and ears for New York family... I went to Cal Neva to meet San Giancana and Sinatra. They were going to convince Marilyn one more time to be with Bobby Kennedy this time. Yeah. Because it's been two years, and the deal they made with Costello to get the mob and all the unions to get him in as president was that they would invade Cuba and give them their casinos back. The mistake John did was make Bobby the attorney general. He went after all their friends. That's kind of what a lot of people suspect, that they turned the dime on the guys who helped them. Yeah. I think about it so many times. I brought a message down to Joe Kennedy after two years of them not getting anything. I didn't know what was in the envelope, but I wasn't even out of the driveway, and I heard him screaming. That's when he had the stroke. Because mm. they said we're going to start killing off your sons. Cheekers, creepers. And, you know, still to this day, there are all kinds of theories and rumors and all that kind of stuff. Do you have any any sense that we'll ever get to the real bottom of it? Or do you have a sense? Well, of- you know, again, as we just saw Trump locked up all those papers one more time for 50 years. But, you know, Johnny Rosselli, I was very close to Johnny and, you know, Mickey Cohen and all of them on the mm-hmm. West Coast. Mm-hmm. And Johnny, basically, he was in that storm sewer. He was the, he was the kill shot. Mm, wow. I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald shot the governor in the front seat. But you remember years ago, they, they, they traced that magic bullet. That bullet could never have been the kill shot. Roselli shot him in the forehead from the storm sewer as they came up the hill. Yeah, the magic That's bullet That's how theory. the back of his head yeah. got blown yeah. out. So you're actually suggesting it was Johnny Roselli all the, all this time? I know it. He told me. Jeekers. Do you write about that in the book as well, Hollywood Godfather? Oh, yeah. yeah. No wonder <laughs> it's a even bestseller. Book, even St. Martin's <laughs> Press said, then they weren't going to put, they wanted that out. I said, you take that out, I, you don't have the book. How about I indemnify you? And they knew I had money, so yeah. they were worried. And McMullen, their parent company in London, was worried about, you know, the lawsuits, because nobody ever proved that. You know, I wrote that. It's in the book. I think the book is still a bestseller. uh, How could it not be? I was just thinking, you know, for a guy who grows up and spends five years in a polio ward and doesn't know if he's going to make it or not, it brings about, in some people like you, a sense of fearlessness. I get that sense that you you take on life and uh, live it to the fullest and uh, tell the truth whenever you can. Well, you know, it was that was. I mean, that was the whole thing when I went to see. When I don't know if you know the story in my club on uh, October twenty eighth, 
I got in a confrontation. Oh, the with the gunfight, the gun, the gun issue, right? Yeah, tell us about right. it. But that guy was Pablo Escobar's main guy in the United States for, for cocaine. This was a Cuban uh, immigrant yeah. or a refugee, and and yeah, he L- got into L- Lorenzo Morales. And what was he doing? Was he roughing you up or roughing a customer up? Or no, he, he he came in with a date. We have high rollers all the time. I served gourmet food till six in the morning. That's why it was such a hot place mm-hmm. because every every hotel because of the unions only the coffee shops. This guy came in. And he's giving everybody $100 bills, which we've seen that before. They had a good night in the casino. And he bought, you know, he opens up his order with bottle of Cristal, Louis XIII, Beluga Caviar. Ten minutes later, he breaks the Cristal bottle and sticks it in his girlfriend's face. Oh, my God. And the kid that was working for me is world known today. Steve Sharippa was going to UNO first. Oh, from, from the Sopranos. Hotel school. Yeah. He was at the front door. Oh, my gosh. We talk about it all the time because I was doing you know, his soprano fame and now Blue Bloods. Yes, Blue Bloods. This guy has had such a career, but he tells everybody, I was there that night. He couldn't believe it. So you're the owner of the club, and you're like Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. You're the owner of the club, and you got to make exactly. sure things work. And you got into this deal with him, and you had to defend yourself. By the way, you totally cleared by the, the law, and you popped oh, yeah. him. You popped him and stopped him. I shot him between the eyes in front of 150 people. Nobody could believe it. <laughs> and any any fallout from being Pablo Escobar's main man? I mean, that could be a little scary, couldn't fallout? it? Fallout? When I found out, cause I got, and he cut me. That's, that's what made me kill him because he, he went for my throat. I didn't know he had the bottle yet. I got 81 stitches along my jawbone because I was agile enough. I pulled back. He missed my throat. But he got me along the jaw. Wow. But I found out that this guy was a Marielito from Colombia, Bogota, and they're going to avenge the death. First, they're going to kill, if you have pets, then your children. I flew to see Gotti, and Gotti really didn't like me. <laughs> you know, and this is 1988. Yeah. So I go see John. I said, John. And he's kidding me now because all over the radio and television already. He's, oh, now you're a killer. I said, holy John, you got it all wrong. I said, the only reason I'm here, I got to go see this guy. He's, what? I said, I got to go see him. He's, you want to go see Pablo Escobar? <laughs> I said, yeah. He's, I'll buy you the ticket. He hated me. He said, let me, I'll get rid of him for sure this time. So I go down here and see Pablo and I tell him the story. Why I came. He said, why are you here? I said, I did my homework. You have a daughter, Gina. My daughter, Gia, the same age. If somebody was going to kill your daughter, would you come? He loved that. Jeekers. And that was it. He said, I'll take care of us. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. What the, Again, uh, enough of a story just right there to make a full-length film. You're going down to see Pablo Escobar on his turf yet. Oh, my goodness. Um what do they call them? Collions? I think you've got large ones. Yeah, man. I love <laughs> So before we wrap up, uh, you're an amazing guy, and you're still out there entertaining. And tell us a little bit about the show, because it's music, it's stories, it's film clips. It, it, for people who love The Godfather alone, it's an evening of fun. But tell us about it again. Well, it's, it's an 80-minute, based on my book, I take you chronologically through my life. So you'll see, you'll go to the inauguration of John F. Kennedy. You'll see the 
the one big piece of film I did buy, and everybody goes crazy with it, I actually bought the uh, the NBC special that Sinatra did welcoming Elvis back from the army. Mm. Wow. Well, I mean, you're going to see everybody that you could wow. think of, even Marin, stuff with Marin and I. I take you to Cal Neva, the, the last four days of her life. You'll see her poolside with Sinatra and me, <laughs> and then, you know, August 5th, they killed her. Jeez. I mean, it's a part of world history, even to Escobar. I'll show you his prison, where I was. It's like, and I sing 12 tunes, and it's all of the stuff that, you know, I think Hollywood used to be, and but it's an 80-minute sold-out show, and it's fun. It's a fun show. Well, you, you just said something, it, what Hollywood used to be. You are a, as much, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, a throwback to the golden age of real fun. I mean, scandal and fun and craziness and uh, and stardom. Uh, it's a kick. And one more thing. Uh, you get around. You've been all over the world, obviously, but... When you come to Boston, do you get a chance to go to the North End, our wonderful Constantly. Italian neighborhood? I used to be all the, I did every feast down there for years. I love it. <laughs> I used live to go to Lemoncello's, oh, go yeah. to Strega, all yeah. the places. I, I don't live that far. I'm lucky enough to live in the city and I'm there all the time. I'm not Italian, I might as well be, but I love it. Absolutely love it. Oh and, no, that whole I mean that that's so close to me. I mean, you know, and that, they they run it tighter than even Little Italy here now. Mm-hmm. We're so overwhelmed with Chinese and all that. But I go to, I, I talk to everybody over there. I mean, oh yeah, the Ganey family, I've known them forever. I've done every feast, St. Anthony's my patron saint. <laughs> I've, I've done feasts down there for years. I love, I, I can't wait to come. Well, we are thrilled that you're coming to the local area. Uh, and again, the 20th, as this is recorded, the 20th next week, 7.30 p.m. at the Regent Theater in Arlington. It's a great, great classic old theater. And you'll be kicking you-know-what there. You're going to have a blast. And uh, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on all the success and uh, just being in the moment. You seem to be a guy who lives in the moment. I no, love I that. want to thank you for this time. I really appreciate it. I know who you are there and how important you are also in that area. Uh, and I appreciate you and your audience. The great Johnny Russo, star of The Godfather and about 50 other films, author of the big bestseller Hollywood Godfather, and appearing next week, July 20th, as we record this podcast, at a fabulous location, the Regent Theatre in Arlington. Go to regenttheatre.com. And thank you for subscribing and downloading this podcast. We appreciate the ratings and reviews as we approach podcast number 400. Just so many people I want to talk to, conversations I cannot wait to share. Till we meet again, Jordan here saying, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.